Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality with your host, me, Aliyah Lovely. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, psychics, aliens, religion, new age stuff, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, philosophy, and even dating. Some of the shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and new discoveries and other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up about what spirituality in today's world really looks like. Angelica Ray is a gifted intuitive energy healer and breathwork facilitator, as well as a certified personal coach. In her work, she guides the spiritually conscious and curious people in connecting more fully with their own intuition, aligning with their most authentic selves, and creating a life that they are divinely purposed for. Angelica's modern and practical approach to spirituality attracts clientele from all walks of life, including professional athletes, celebrities, and impact-driven CEOs. She brings levity, humor, and a down-to-earth vibe to the healing process and serves as a resource and guide for anyone seeking to make sense of their own spiritual awakening. She speaks potently about the spiritual dynamics that affect us in very human and logical ways in day-to-day life. This episode, we talk in depth about the sister wound and how spiritually and energetically we can heal the competitive aspect of female relationships. Please welcome Angelica to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. Thank you, Angelica, so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you and to um, to really share with your audience what I think is just such an important foundational understanding of this aspect of our spiritual selves. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, we're, today we're talking about the sister wound and we're going to get into some deep diving about um, the issues that women have with each other, about the divine feminine, about, um, I had not even really heard of the sister wound until you had mentioned it. And then I started looking it up and I was like, oh shit, I absolutely know exactly what this is. Um, It's just something that we haven't necessarily opened up for the collective quite yet. Um, But feminine or female competition, uh, the ideas that women are catty or there's an intense uh, competition or judgment or criticism or even mean naturedness around other women um, and their cultural consciousness around like... um, just the competition that we have with each other. And so it's okay. She's got a dog. (laughs) Um, So um, first question I wanted to ask you is first for our audience breakdown in its full entirety. What is the sister wound and where does it come from? Sure. So first I just wanted to say for your patience, um, I have a dog named Rune and he's very spiritual and he's a little (laughs) intuitive boy. So he knows like if we get in the weeds with things, he, he feels the energy. So thanks for your patience with that. Um, so the sister wound is an emotional, psychological, or spiritual wound that results from what are considered the shadow aspects of the divine feminine. And so first, I guess, to kind of get to the root of that definition, we have to, to have a better um, understanding, a foundational knowledge of what do we associate with as the characteristics of the divine feminine. And so when, when, when we're referencing what is this divine feminine energy, what personally I tend to associate with that is like the very creative, abundant um, energy. 
it's inclusive and nurturing and communal. It's empathic and feeling and emotional, right? So those are all of the aspects of the divine feminine when, when fully expressed and in, in balance is how that divine energy, um, that divine feminine energy shows up. Now I want to get um, a little bit, I want to just say that divine feminine energy is not exclusive to those who identify as female or as women, right? So we know that we are all some balance of divine feminine and divine masculine or some balance of feminine and masculine energies in general. And so this wounding pattern is not exclusive to those who identify as female or as women. So I wanted to kind of say that caveat, but all right. So here's where we get in the, the weeds. And, and this is the part that really, um, really lights me up as I started learning more about this. And then really a lot of this information is channeled. I really started to get a broader context of, um, of kind of where did this come from? And so let's talk a little bit about the historical roots. Mm-hmm. And the reality is like women used to be in close knit community with one another, right? There would be a village or a community and the women were kind of the, the pacemakers for the community. Um, and we, we were celebrated for the divine embodiment of all of those attributes that I um, had mentioned earlier. So that is that intuition, that connectedness, that, that ability to create, to um, take a, you know, an animal and make a meal, right? So those are all, or um, even in like cultures hundreds of years ago, they would send the women out to intuitively sense the land and know where there was water or where there was going to be enough food to to sustain the community and to sustain the village. And so those properties of the divine feminine were not only just like tolerated, but they were celebrated and they were absolutely their 50%. Uh, They were carrying their weight, so to speak, in these communities. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of like how things used to be. And then along comes the patriarchy and everything kind of went to hell in a handbasket, right? So the, the, all of a sudden, the, the men, the hunters, the warriors of the villages kind of decided, well, oh, you know, we don't, we don't really necessarily just need to stay to ourselves. Like, maybe we could, like, conquer another village and we could have our space plus another space. Or we could control or we could civilize. So all of these attributes of almost like that shadow masculine coming Mm -hmm. in. Um, And well, those things are in direct juxtaposition to all of those divine feminine attributes. Yeah. A woman in her balance is not going to allow a man to go out and kill and conquer for the sport of it, or Mm -hmm. just because it feels like that's something that we want to do because it's this particular day of the week or, um, or any of those things. And so, they were in clear conflict about the fact that we want to expand, we want to conquer, we want to control, we want to civilize, and also we're not going to be able to do those things with women in their divine element. It's just not going to happen. And so every effort was made to erase that divine feminine essence. And, um, and the ways that we saw that were, you know, the, the birth of patriarchal religion. So religions that rely upon a, uh, a father figure, upon a hierarchical structure, um, so that we could keep women in their place, 
so to speak, so that we could um, make you on okay only if you follow these protocols, only if you fall in line. Uh, we see, you know, witch burning, <laughs> yeah. and anyone who's practicing their magic or their um, their feminine, creative, abundant, um, and quite frankly, just magical essence. Well, that's got to go. So, you know, you see the burning of women at the stake. Um, and then like even, even the simpler things where women become um, property or, or objects. So you see mm -hmm. that through the process of marriage, through yeah. the offering of dowries, through objectification and prostitution of women. So all of these ways kind of come about in order to quell what is that divine feminine essence. And then kind of the, the final linchpin of all of this is, well, we know how to kind of break them down individually. Now what we need to do is turn them against each other. Mm -hmm. And so a concerted societal effort was put on women, um, was, put, was raged against women to put them at odds with one another. And so the easiest way to do that was to play on those shadow aspects on those those opposite ends of her divine feminine essence in order to pit them against one another and so that's kind of how we got here <laughs> so, so what would those aspects be like what are ways sure. that um we are or in the past have been divided against each other yeah so i like to i like to kind of the way i kind of conceptualize it is you have the divine feminine on one side, you have the shadow feminine on another side, and then in the middle, you kind of see the wounding that occurs, what I call like the sister wounding that occurs. So mm -hmm. I'll kind of give you an example. If the divine feminine essence is naturally creative and abundant, then the shadow of that is a lack mentality, is mm -hmm. a scarcity mentality, right? And so what what is bred of those two things is competition yeah so if we know that we're naturally creative and abundant then there is no competition because you can have yours and i can have mine and there's no need to compete or to belittle or anything like that because there's enough for everybody mm -hmm. when we're in that shadow feminine we're coming from a place of lack a place of scarcity forgetting that our true essence i just got goosebumps forgetting that our true essence is creativity is abundance is multiplication and so um and so the wounding again that comes from that is is that competition mm -hmm. and you see that play out i mean there's just innumerable I mean, number of yeah i mean like there's we can look no, at like you scroll on social media and you find a reason why you're criticizing that girl's ass or what her message is or oh she didn't do it like this or it, you know it's always that idea in the back of your head that there is Oh, she's trying, who she thinks she, you know, like there's that natural, it's almost natural, right? It's a little bit ingrained in those of us who are in the later, uh, later communities, later culture. Um, story time. <laughs> okay. Um, that I've never heard you say, or so, like, I haven't heard anybody say the shadow feminine um, mm -hmm. yet. And so um, typically what's, what's heard is that when women are not embracing their divine feminine, they go into their masculine. And, uh, which yes, makes sense because you, you go into a type of patriarchal structure in order to be able to feel like you have a seat at the table. It's where the competition aspect was bred in the first place, because not only 
did we have to compete with other women? We had to compete with men to get our spot back or whatever. Um, but interestingly enough, I haven't heard the shadow feminine aspect, which I actually identify with better um, because there's a lot of times that we're not necessarily trying to get into our masculine where those attributes are to do and be efficient and this and that. It is the scarcity mindset or the allowance or feeling that we there is not enough. And so we have something that operates that's not in a do manifestation, but it is in a silent judge or criticism or, um, you know, we make up these stories or narratives in our mind about how someone might be perceiving us. It's where frenemies come from. The fact that that's even a term is to me stupid. Like, why would you be friends with someone you don't even like? Like, I can't even, I can't even, I can't even, but (laughs) this idea of rivalry between us and feeling like we will compete for a job for like, even just like uh, say women in this space, you know, those of us, you know, we're doing a podcast today or whatever. And it's like, you know, people could be looking at you or me or saying like, what they think they're doing, you know what I mean? Like, it's just this kind of natural aspect to our culture. I would say, I wouldn't say it's ingrained in us, but like, it's a part of our societal culture that says there isn't enough out there for women anyway, because we live in a patriarchal structure. So we feel like we're, we're breadcrumbing in a way. So if there's another woman at the table, we feel like, well, she's taking my spot instead of saying like pull up a chair yes yes absolutely absolutely and i love that observation that like the shadow feminine is not moving into your masculine it's literally an abandonment of of your feminine essence and it is it is those it's the polar opposite so even adding to that it's like um when i think of like the divine feminine she, you know she's inclusive and nurturing well, the opposite of that is not necessarily going into the masculine. It's like exclusion and separatism, right? So it's like one is not the other. They are really, truly poles of one another. And the wounding that comes out of that, like you mentioned, is judgment. Like if we're, if we're separate than one another and we're excluding people, then it's easy to make judgments because you are not me and I am not you. Yeah. And, um, and then like, and then also you said, um, and I just want to touch on this because I want to kind of have like a, a bit of a understanding about these, this polarity. Mm-hmm. So the divine feminine is also, she's empathic and she's mm-hmm. emotional. And I know you talk a lot about um, empaths and like yeah. just that, that energetic. Um, and the shadow of that is being enmeshed, right? Being so mm-hmm. empathic that you form enmeshment and attachment or even hurt because your feelings are not cared for. And so the wounding pattern that comes out of that is like those hurt feelings and that cattiness. Mm -hmm. So they're very much poles of one another. They're very much, um, very much interconnected. So, yeah, I guess that's, (laughs) you know, when I think about you had said earlier, the development of the patriarchal, um, Uh, religions. And obviously this episode is not about like bashing men or anything like that. We're not going there at all. Um, But in fact, that the patriarchal structure does play a major role in the way that we see ourselves as women. So that, that plays a part. Um, I was thinking about Adam and Eve, the story of Adam and Eve and how the woman was the one who took the fall. And I remember when I was little, um, my, like, I don't remember like Bible school or something like that telling us that this is why women were punished 
with the, the aspect of giving birth, you know, the pain that they would experience in birth and periods and all that kind of stuff. And look how bad this is. This is women's punishment for like, clearly all women are cursed because they've all had to, to been um, given this task. And I just thinking about it even now, like we still kind of hold that idea that like, periods are gross and disgusting and blood is nasty and, um, you know, childbirth. And, um, there's, there's this, um, there's this, like, there's, there's no honor to it. Um, you know what I mean? There's no, like, we have been get, we are the miracle birth makers. You know what I mean? Like even in the way that we hold our own self image in a, in a societal structural way, um, it, it, it's no wonder we look at another woman and feel that way. We've been taught to, to dispel the things about ourselves, our empathicness, our sensitiveness, our emotionality, all the things that are super gifts of the divine feminine. And if in that way we've turned against ourselves. So when another woman comes, we, we already, <clears throat> we already mistrust ourselves. So when another woman comes along, it's like, bitch, <laughs> I don't trust you either. So yeah. I find that to be very interesting how it's, 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 it's imperatively ingrained in our system already as a structure. So we, it's, it's harder for us to be able to integrate with each other when our female friendships can be so incredibly powerful because we can sit in a circle and, and like you said, create magic. We can sit in a circle and have our little therapy session. You know, like those of us who have really amazing girlfriends who have maybe been through some incredible trauma, haven't actually ne necessarily needed to go to therapy because of that, the, the, the bonding that occurs, the healing that occurs in, in true authentic female circles. Um, I find that to be incredibly beautiful when we get a chance to recognize that. Um, so I have a question. How do, you know, sure. like, not, like if, if never hearing about the sister wound, if people are just now understanding this, and if this is something that's been so ingrained in our culture from such a long standing period of time, how do we even get in touch with healing the sister wound? Yeah, that's great. I also want to, I want to like go back to one thing you said about just like menstruation in general, just because yeah. I know we both kind of geek out on like the historical yeah. <laughs> route, but it like in, for, in former societies, like when women were in the menstruation process or going through these phases, like we did so in community, like mm -hmm. it was like, okay, we're in community and supporting this woman through this phase. And she might be in a different cycle or a different phase of her cycle than everybody else so like she got to do what she needed to do if she needed to like be alone and other women needed to care for her children or you know or someone else needed to kind of step up in a different way it wasn't we weren't shaming each other for that it was like right. literally like okay so like go ahead and take care of you and I'll take care of what needs to be done and now what do we do we shove a tampon or a pad up our sleeves and like scurry off to the bathroom and pray that no one sees us or knows that we're like going through this. So I just think that's like another really interesting thing. Yeah. And there's been a lot of movement lately around um, women embodying and, and owning that yeah. part of our, our, I love that. I'm very, very excited. It's something that's relatively new to me, but I think Same. it's a, Well, because you think about like when we think of PMS, right? Um, pre-menstruation syndrome. There's an actual, what they would call pathologized disorder <laughs> um, around what happens when your body is going through these hormonal shifts. And the only reason why we have these hormonal shifts monthly is to produce a baby. It's the only reason like we have that. And there is so much shame around that, like, oh, she's PMSing or oh, blah, blah, blah. And, um, 
and putting kind of a negative connotation on an actual syndrome uh, around what affects your your bodily and physiological nature. Um, even, you know, it's kind of in pop culture, you know, men joking or whatever. Oh, are you on your period? The, the day that you have something to say and want to express yourself about something, you're like, um, if you had what felt like a small troll punching you in the area of your vagina, you would be pissed too, okay? <laughs> My feelings are still valid, but I might be a little bit more pissed because there's this tiny little thing going, <laughs> trying to, you know, exert things. Anyway, but yes, the movement around that and bonding um, around female, you know, fluids and things like that, um, us getting to a place where we're starting to come together and not have to hide in shame around something that's so natural. It's so absolutely natural. It's as natural as a man ejaculating, like if not more natural because we don't have to do anything for that to happen to us. So in that way, there shouldn't be a lot of shame around that. And we should be able to, like you said, when in, in, we used to live in community and bond around each other and be able to take care of each other's kids and stuff when we were going through that, because it's quite painful. Those men who are listening, it is awful <laughs> in the pain sense. However, it's, if we started looking at it as an honorable thing, it's like, okay, we're going through this because we, we provide life not by ourselves, obviously, but like we do the brunt of the work, the, the, the heavy lifting in that, I wouldn't say burden, what's another a better word for that? Like we, we do the heavy lifting in that process. Yes, 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 yeah. absolutely. Yes. And we're gonna, we, I, I had a feeling this would be the case, but we could probably go on this for like a thousand years, but also <laughs> you have to think about what's actually happening in your body during that time. Like your body was prepared to receive and create life. And the signaling of your menstruation is that that's not happening in your body for the most part, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's like a grief associated with it. There's the emotionality of the fact that you, this process was intended to create life and this cycle, it did not. And mm -hmm. so when you add that layer on top of like the physical symptoms that our body experiences and the hormonal shifts, and there's also like a deep resonant grief that so many of us just don't even like contend with, but that's truly what's happening. Your body is mourning the loss or um, the lack of creation, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so I have another never thought about that. I've never thought about yeah, that. Crazy. Like, Cause I'm not trying to have a baby, but like <laughs> in that sense of the way that we're ingrained on our DNA structure, like, that you're a hundred percent right. That's crazy. I've never thought about that. Yeah. So like, no wonder we're like a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs for a few <laughs> days. Like we're grieving the loss of a baby that never happened or a pregnancy that never came to fruition. And I guess it is probably like for those of us who are not in a time in our life where we are wanting to have a kid, it's like, we don't think about it that way, but I guess maybe for those of us that are wanting to get pregnant and yeah. it's not happening, they probably feel that a little bit more, um, yeah intentionally or a little like more closely so for sure but let's tie yeah. this back into the system anyway <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I love that so, here we go but um the, the way the that we, that story is what'd you say i was gonna say the moral to that story is be kind to, to we can just start with being kind and being empathetic to one another yeah, yeah. throughout our cycles every month right I mean, but just even the magic like damn, we need a whole episode for this thing. Um, Cause I was thinking, think about the magic about when women are together and they spend what, three or four days together, how their cycles link up. Yeah. Like that, that to me is, eh. you know, people want to talk about all the like, 
oh, you know, the moon and this and that is like bullshit or whatever. And it's like, our cycles will also change around the moon as well. Like we're not like, what is it? 80, 70% water or something. But the fact that females can sit together for a little while and their cycle, their whole cycles will move and hormones will move to come together. And this way, nature is trying to bring us together. So like the perfect segue. (laughs) Yes, that is so beautiful. I love that. Yes. So if, so if how do we heal this brain, thing? How do we yeah. come together? Yes. Yeah. So, okay. So I kind of have roughly outlined like the three wounds, the wounding patterns are competition, judgment, and then like hurt feelings and cattiness, right? Mm-hmm. So those are kind of the three main components of the sister wound. So how do we heal competition? This is going to sound cliche, but we're just going to go with it, which is like, collaboration right Mm -hmm. and celebration and it's like oh my god look what my sister created I can create that too and just a deep gratitude for the fact that you're able to witness somebody else's creation and the fact that it's so close to you like birds of a feather energy like meets like and it's like the fact that it's close to you and you can witness it is such a gift that oh I can you can create I can create we can create together and in collaboration with one another and just really that celebration. So how do we heal the the competition wound collaboration, celebration, and just letting it be a reminder that we're, we're grateful to have the creative ability. And if she can do it, so can I, Mm -hmm. and so proud of her for being able to create. Mm -hmm. So that's that. Make sense? Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a wonderful one because I think even in the process of the when we feel that that aspect of scarcity mindset, when we're in that place where we're feeling like there's not enough, us being able to go online and gas up another girl and being supportive, um, being in collaboration instead of competition and being support um, allows us, even on an energetic level, to put more abundance out into that that space and give us more of what. Uh, as part of our divine feminine aspect, like we, when we are um, in that mode of loving and giving, that's, it's part of our nature, right? Like it's part of our core. We're giving and loving and nurturing to other women. It only comes back to us. It makes us feel better about ourselves and make, not to like, not to be selfish, but like um, when you're supporting and uplifting and gassing up other people, it only amplifies the other, the very feminine part of parts of yourself that give you more abundance internally as well, energetically as well. That's so good. Absolutely. Yes. The next piece is judgment. So how do we, um, how do we heal this judgment piece? And I see it as again, like being twofold, but number one, like compassion heals judgment. Mm -hmm. And when you, you know, we as women go through the same things to different extents and different scenarios, but all you have to do is you know, start a podcast or have a couple conversations to understand that we really truly are in this thing together. And so when you can find it within yourself to have compassion for the fact that maybe she just hasn't gotten there yet, or maybe she's going through something that I'm not seeing or whatever the case may be, it number one quells your, your instinct perhaps maybe to judge. Um, but then also like, can you show up with authenticity? Can you, your show, you yourself show up vulnerably? Because if you allow yourself to show up as your authentic self, as your true self in, in vulnerability, in humility, then 
you you go a long way in inviting others to do the same. And mm -hmm. it's a lot, in my opinion, it's a lot harder to judge somebody when you just feel from the heart of hearts that they are showing up as themselves. When people strip their uniforms, strip their masks, and truly show up as naked, we have no choice but to really love and, and embrace and just see the beauty in authenticity. Yeah, I like that. Um, the authenticity element, I think, is really, really important because um, we often talk about the masks that men wear um, with, you know, what we would call um, what people are saying, toxic masculinity or the shadow masculine. Actually, that's a better phrase for, for everyone, I think. <laughs> um, but because anyway, yes, the masks that women wear, the mask of perfection, the mask of mm. I have it all together or the mask of I'm better than you. Um, and kind of trying to flaunt in a way to make us feel, feel better about ourselves in that scarcity mindset. And that, um, so that, that lack of authenticity, I think is a big one, um, for women when we get together and, you know, maybe it's toward when they talk about relationships and stuff like that, or, um, maybe it's, you know, uh, the way that we dress or whatever. Cause they always say, um, women don't dress for other men. They dress for other women. And in that mm -hmm. way, like of like trying to impress another woman um, and the ways that we, we come, come through, oh, she's got new eyelashes or she's got a new nose or, you know, like whatever that looks like, we're trying, we're still trying to look or keep up with the other woman, not necessarily, I mean, it is yes for the attention of men, but um, in a cis uh, gender kind of uh, stereotype, but like with other women, we're trying to one up essentially uh, amongst each other. Um, I, I felt this very strong here in Bali. Um, mm. something I'm dealing, I was dealing with like really, really deeply because as I've been here, they're some of the most beautiful women I've ever seen on the walk, the face of the earth. And I'm like, is there, is there an actual Photoshop operating in the real realm? I like, how is it possible that this person looks like this? There's no way. Um, and feeling super threatened by it and, mm. and by their appearance and only out of a scarcity mindset for myself of saying that I'm not enough or I'm not this or whatever. And in the idea of competition with for men. Um, there's not enough men out there who are this, and there's not enough men, blah, blah, blah. And there's no blah, blah, blah. And whatever the narratives that we're telling ourselves and feeling in competition with those other women who are so much more beautiful because that's where our importance has been placed on as a society, right? Um, we're not competing with other women who are scientists and who are writers and other things who are incredibly smart and intelligent and doing other things. And not, we're not thinking like, oh, she thinks she's cute. You know what I mean? Like that's, that idea typically comes from appearance because of where we place our importance as a society, right? On what's the outside. But back to your comment about authenticity, um, even, even coming and cutting down another woman on judgment, like who, who might look super perfect, that has to be photoshopped or she must be starving herself or that's, that's not her real nose or that's not her real hair color or blah, blah, blah. And us trying to decimate or lower like that, you know, she, she doesn't deserve to have the praise that she has because I'm jealous. Mm -hmm. And so, and I'm guilty yes. of that. I know that, but like that being the second one. Okay. So you have a third point too. Yeah, but that's just so, that's, you just got right to the heart of it. And the reality is like, we only move out of that when we truly get into like self-love and acceptance. And I know, again, it sounds so cliche, but it, the reality is like, that is the anecdote to this, right? It's like, can you love yourself regardless and be whole in yourself regardless? And that, 
I don't, I've experienced like, we all have our moments of insecurity, but I have definitely experienced the more I show up as authentically myself, I realize like, it doesn't matter what I look like or who I am. I mean, there's like how they said, there's like a, a ridiculous number, like 200,000 podcasts that were created just already in the beginning of 2020 or something crazy like I'm that. I didn't like, hear that number. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, but like somehow, you know, your people still manage to find you because like mm-hmm. you show up and shine your light. And so it's like, there, there will never be another you. And you just do us all a, like we do ourselves a big disservice. We do everybody a big disservice when we don't show up mm. as ourselves, I think. Mm. Um, and that's because a good it's, one for women. Yeah. In a lot of ways, we're afraid to be seen. Right. And that's changing. Yes. I, I really do believe that's changing. I believe, you know, people like you and your audience and, and, and I think there's just a lot of us. Yes. Well, thank you. <laughs> but there's like, there's a, you know, a lot of us that are ready to shift some of this and be seen and, and show up as ourselves and, and say, no, I don't have all my shit together. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I'm a little messy and, you know, yeah. And I think that's what makes us stronger and, and less likely to judge one another and more likely to support and, and love. So yeah. That, yeah. that's that. And then we use one. Um, the third aspect is that hurt feeling and cattiness. So that's the wounding is like just really genuinely hurt feelings. And you know, the bitch, did you hear what she said about so-and-so and you know, the gossip and the TMZs of the world and all of that stuff. Yeah, bravo and, housewives, bravo anything actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh Lord, God bless them and Andy Cohen. Um, <laughs> so the um, the the healing aspect to that is like accountability and acknowledgement. Because the reality is, it's a farce if you think you're going to get through this life and not hurt anybody's feelings or not have your feelings hurt. But when you are, when you have been in this situation to to hurt somebody else, like can you take accountability for that? Mm-hmm. You know, and that doesn't mean solve it. It doesn't mean fix it. It doesn't mean take away their feelings or make them not hurt. But it just means I understand when I did X, you might have received it as Y and it may have felt like Z. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I take ownership of my part in that. And, and then the other really hard part is like acknowledgement when our feelings have been hurt mm-hmm. and bravery when our, when we've been on the receptive end of something that feels hurtful. Recently, I had a, a situation with two of my closest friends and I had to have a really difficult conversation about the ways that I was feeling about something and how it hurt my feelings. And the reality is they didn't do anything to fix it. They just said, I understand that's how you feel. And this is how we feel. Mm-hmm. And then that's information to move forward, right? So it doesn't have to be catty, but there is an element of like accountability and acknowledgement that really helped to to heal that, that part of the wounding. We've been told a lot that our emotions are too big. Mm-hmm. So in a, in a, I think in a lot of ways, the way that um, female uh, conflict operates is out of passive aggression. And so that's where we get catty. Like that's what cattiness is essentially. Mm, well, you think, mm, you know, it's not actually like fighting, which um, some of my, my guy friends were like, yeah, guys can just like, punch each other and have a fight and go, oh, we're good. You know, like, <laughs> they're fine the next day. And because it's the energy, right? right? Like act, active action. 
Um, but for us, because we are more in our feelings as stereotypically, um, the, that's where the cattiness enacts. I think like we, our emotions are big and, you know, we don't feel like there's a place or space for us to express our emotions. We've also been taught that, um, if you know, not to hurt people's feelings, that we have to be nice and women who are direct are bitches are bossy or, you know, whatever. So there's a lot of the mask tropes that operate that keep us from ha having healthy expression um, to what it is that we're feeling. Um, there is that need to feel like we have to fix something or there's a deep anxiety around feeling like we upset someone, even if it's not our fault. I won't even say fault. It's not um, on us to take the ownership of if someone interpreted something incorrectly. Um, or different in your intention and is unwilling to hear that that wasn't your intention. Um, I had a circumstance happen last year and I don't want to get too specific in it because she might listen to the show. <laughs> um, but to, to be very honest, it was, it was the first situation I've had in a really long time where I've had a, an argument with another female in my life. And um, I'm someone who likes to keep the peace, but I'm also someone who's very direct as well. And we had this circumstance that, to me, like just plainly didn't make any sense. Um, <clears throat> the, the issue at hand that she was coming to me about, I couldn't calculate where she was having an issue. And so I was trying, I mean, I've gone through a lot of therapy and stuff like that. So I was doing all the stuff that you're supposed to do. Okay. What I'm hearing is, is you're feeling like this and this and this, and like trying to tell her, like, um, I'm trying to see where you're coming from. And she she gaslit me like a bunch and, um, and then ultimately like got really overwhelmed and was like, fine, we're done, you know, whatever. And I was like, if you want to continue this friendship, we have to figure this out. Anyway, um, it just came into this part where we were just, you know, butting heads and, um, I, I got super triggered by it. Like my, I couldn't even eat for like the next 12 hours. My digestive system was all fucked up. Um, I was feeling so shaken by it because I was like, what did I do? And it actually transported me back to my, my, uh, one of my, my ex relationship with my ex-husband where I would get gaslit a bunch about stuff like that and feeling like, wow, like how did that turn? Where did that turn wrong so fast? Um, and feeling, and feeling super like, what did I do? How can I fix this? What, you know, whatever. So I talked to one of our, our mutual friends and I said, please tell me if I'm wrong about this, like, I want to know if I'm wrong. I want to be able to fix the situation. I want to do X, Y, Z or whatever. And I'm sitting here running around driving myself crazy trying to figure out someone else's misinterpretation or whatever, you know, she was dealing with at the time and that she put on me, outfitted me with, and in an effort to be the nice person, like I was carrying the burden of that, that conflict or interaction. And so in that, that idea between women, that, that cattiness or whatever, um, I intuitively, I sat down with my guides and said, what is going on here? Like, did I miss something? And uh, it was revealed to me by intuition. And then later I found out is that she, she's threatened by me, um, that there is this aspect to her that feels like um, either I'm doing better than she is, we're in the same field um, or who, whatever, who knows? Like there's this kind of secret competition going on that I was not aware of because I didn't feel that with her. I didn't feel any competition with her. I didn't feel like threatened by her. In fact, she was someone that I taught how to do the things in my field or whatever. So 
I wasn't, there was never a, a cross in my mind that was like, there wasn't enough for us because I've always been trying to be very inclusive. And so then to have that revealed to me and be like, ah, oh, now I completely see where she was coming from. I wouldn't say that it was correct, but I would say that like, okay, I understand now why she had that reaction. Um, I can let her have a reaction. She can keep having her reaction, um, but I don't need to be involved in it. I don't need to continue yeah. this, this nature of trying to like go back and forth and I'm super direct about everything that happened, but because we're supposed to, we're taught to be the nice person, don't hurt anybody's feelings. Da, da, da. That's I, to me, I believe that's where we, the result of cattiness comes from. It's like, we haven't gotten to actually tell you about yourself and how we feel that you made us feel and how you hurt our feelings and whatever. So I'm just going to over here and smile until I need to flip a table and you know what I mean? And yeah. so we get into that aspect. So I didn't know that, that I didn't realize that that had been going on maybe for years and, yeah. and now coming up into this, this aspect, whatever. Anyway, sorry, long story. So it's totally makes like, sense. It makes sense. But like having to get into that place, the problem I think for what most women is that we feel we need to shoulder that burden of understanding. Mm -hmm. We need to shoulder that burden of, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We don't do this. And it, to me, and, and in all aspects of every part of my life now, I wholly and heartily believe that you need to be authentic in every case. If something is bothering you, speak up. If someone said something and that bothered you, say it now. Like if that's the case and that might render you the bitch, but it'll, it'll push people out of your life that don't need to be there and, and heal and form abundance life relationships with people who do need to be there. And Go ahead. Sorry, you something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you saw the pregnant pause. Well, it was. I was also just thinking about like, you know, we kind of had talked before this podcast just about this idea of like awakening and ascension and like coming into this like more spiritual path and like finding ourselves. And it's so interesting because I feel like this element right here directly really leads into like one of what I feel is like the main kind of signs that you're going through some sort of awakening or ascension or spiritual growth process, yeah. which is like that isolation. Yeah. Right. And it's like, there's this element of you, you do separate, you separate even in situations like you just described where separate for understanding, separate to get, to get clarity in what is yours to carry and what is not mm -hmm. yours to carry. So it's, it's interesting as we're talking about like, community and coming together and like rallying. I also want to add the caveat that part of your own elevation might also be separating from elements that has from relationships that embody more of these shadow aspects mm -hmm. so that you can ascend and call in, you know, a community, a family, a sisterhood, friendships and relationships that are more aligned with the divine feminine qualities, which are, you know, inclusive and creative and abundant and nurturing and all of those great things. So right. keep Some in mind that and want to stay in that shadow aspect. Exactly. Exactly. So keep in mind that like you might have this new understanding as a result of just, you know, hearing and experiencing this conversation today. And also not everybody in your life is going to be able to meet you at your with that new understanding right now. So you might need to be willing to step away from some of those relationships and know that what you are calling in is a community that is more in alignment with, with how you desire to be in relationship with other women. So that's then healing a lot of that competitive rivalry, mean natured, uh, 
aspect to your female relationships. If you're in a group of women that you don't feel supported by, if you feel identity in that frenemy aspect, or if you're having to have uh, interactions that don't feel authentic within uh, your own being, then you better believe you're taking some of that energetic toxicity with you when you go home and the way that you feel about yourself and the question, well, Karen said this, and da, 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 da. what does she think? Da, 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 da. But it, it causes, it, it internalizes the insecurities or, or amplifies the insecurities in yourself. If your female group isn't representative of how you'd like to feel, get out because it's not, it's not a, it's not a group of friends. It, it's a cage. So like, I, I, I see this happen actually a lot um, with some, some, I'm a little bit of a loner. So I have a lot of different groups of friends and different, hi, <laughs> she raised her hands up, hi. Um, and so I observe, I observe very um, particularly when I look at some of the, the female groups of friends. And I, I personally, I, I feel very, very blessed um, in what I've been able to call in and the women that are in my life who are truly there and truly supportive and have, have seen the ones who don't fit anymore into the vibration I'm trying to call in walk themselves out, whether an explosive fight about nothing or they just distance themselves. I even have um, a family member who I don't talk to anymore, um, who's just exited herself. And I, you know, I know hard feelings. I'm like, if it doesn't align with your vibration, then, you know, I can't be mad, but it does aspect, I would say for you as well, you probably speak on this a little bit, but it does add an element of a compassion, right? It's not like, Ooh, she's not to my level anymore. You know, whatever. You just have an understanding of, okay, there's a difference like that we're for in this moment, we're not in alignment with each other. And she needs to experience herself in this way. And I need to experience myself in this way. And we don't need to continue this relationship for the sake of niceties in order to then continue to foster a negative or catty vibration with each other. We can just walk away. Men do it all the time. It's like, I don't like that guy. So I'm not gonna hang out with him. <laughs> like, you know, we feel this obligation um, society profits off of it, right? Like, I mean, like if you look at the housewives, I love watching it, but um, it, 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 it's fostered off of that, the cattiness and the, you know, the entertainment value of how women can be with each other. And they're talking about tying each other's backs and look at the judgment, look at her house. She lives in the hood and you know, whatever it is. And, and I think the reason why it's so addictive to watch is because we identify with it so well. Mm-hmm. Our culture. Oh gosh. Yeah. So, so true. And I love the part um, of what you said about like, it doesn't, it is about compassion and like letting those relationships fall away with compassion. And the reality is like, my mom always said this and it took me over 30 years to understand it, but people are in your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And so like those might be relationships that fall away and maybe they come back after everybody does their own growing and takes a few more steps on their own path. And, you know, there's a reintegration that happens or maybe they were there for a season. So that's very, very much true. And also you don't need to, it doesn't need to be some like big caddy. You don't need to express or inflict more wounding upon those relationships, if they're not in alignment, you can simply choose differently. Yeah. And I believe that if we are also looking very introspectively about our healing, our shadow feminine, we're going to come less and less and less in contact with that sister wound overall. Mm-hmm. So yes. for, you, for you, what would you say, um, like, how can we, how can we own that? 
How can we get to a yeah. space where like, not just heal it, but how do we own that in our current friendships and our current communities? Um, where can we, um, even spiritually, how can we do better? Like, because even in this time, you said something earlier about um, how patriarchy essentially was rising out of being able to divide us amongst each other. How do we better unify? Sure. So I would say like the integration of this is first taking stock of how are these wounds showing up for you. Mm -hmm. So understanding, I mean, like maybe you need to make a list of all of the female relationships in your life where you perceive or intuit that there might be some element of this wounding um, present. And so like really identifying it is important and just seeing it and knowing that it's there is the first step. And as like an energy worker, and I've seen this so much, I'm going to take a quick caveat, but the energy right now is moving so fast and it's just, things are just happening like at insane rates. And so I see it even in my, my one-on work with readings or energy work with clients. um, I see like even just bringing the topic of conversation or the like bringing whatever needs to be healed up to the surface to just examine it or even acknowledge it alone right now is enough to heal it because Mm -hmm. I truly believe like spirit is on a mission to like help us heal our shit so we can like Mm -hmm. save the planet and save ourselves and like do better. Um, And so I say that to say like, even just identifying it, you might find a lot of healing in just bringing it to the surface. So that was, that would be the first thing that I would say. Um, I would also say like, can, like, is there an opportunity for you to resolve unfinished business? Is there an opportunity once you have that awareness around what wounding there is, is there anything, is it safe? Is it appropriate? Is it beneficial for you to maybe circle back and, and have a conversation for you to do some healing around that for you to maybe journal around that if it's not appropriate to do it in, um, in the context of like an exchange or a conversation or with that other person. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. And then ultimately like bringing an awareness to how do you move forward from some of this stuff? How do you more fully embody those divine feminine attributes? How do you, is it your affirmation process? Is it your own spiritual connection? Is it your, um, maybe you like take some of the like the numbing behavior behaviors out of your life so that you allow yourself to more fully feel what comes up for you. So there's a, there's um, yeah, I would say like the next step is really just to once you've taken stock and you've healed what you could um, figuring out how you can more fully embody um, those, those attributes of the feminine that you want to carry with you. Is there a brother wound? Gosh, I don't know. I'm sure I could have a nice little chat with my guys or hop into the <laughs> hop into the records and get some answers about that. But I'm sure there is. It's so interesting because when I kind of started on this path personally, I was working exclusively with women. Like all of my like messaging was pretty exclusive to to women. Um, I really see a lot of things through that lens. But then spirit was like sending me a whole bunch of male clients and not just like male clients, but like professional athletes and like, just like people who necessarily, who might like embody um, what you would like experience as like the typical masculine, you know, identity. And I'm like, what the fuck is this about? And so, and they're like coming 
I guess coming back and like ready to do some of this work too in, in, in new ways. And so I'm really well, they're embracing the some of their feminine. Yes. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're, you're right. Still doing feminine work, whether you're with females. Yes. Or men. yes. And so it's like, gosh, I'm sure there's like a whole nother leg of this journey that is specific to the brother wound and the masculine. Um, I mean, I can just, what comes to mind, top of mind is like, you know, you're outside playing with your brother or whatever, and you fall down and you scrape your knee and you start crying and your brother's like, stop crying, you sissy. Like, yeah, don't, you can, let's go. Here we go. Keep moving. Like that's a, that's a wounding. That's a, yeah. a repression. Of, yeah. So the suppression of sure emotion, emotionality. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. talked about that actually in a previous episode <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, that's a hard one. And I mean, from a female way it's uh, to me I think they're related though because they absolutely are related um the way we're we're all wounded <clears throat> and a, a way that doesn't allow us to I would say really come together in authentic community anything that keeps us separate or tells us that we we don't have space to be our authentic selves um is usually a part of the deep wounding that we have with women in particular um I would even say though, like I was watching um, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race and <laughs> like never watched the show before. And I was like, this is, this is very highly entertaining, but I was, I was watching it and I was seeing how in this way, the, these men um, who were, were, you know, dressing up as women, they call each other women, you know, whatever, were very much acting as like the women in the Bravo TV, you know, with the drama and so-and-so said this and I would get under your skin. And there was a lot of emotions and a lot of crying and, you know, whatever. And I thought, you know, see, it's not specific to women, but like men who are in right. their feminine will access that part of themselves too and experience similar okay. wounding because of that, yeah. the, the shadow feminine aspect, because we do have both. And so it's not a gendered thing. It's where you're at at your core um, on an energetic level. So seeing exactly. that play out, I was like, this is fascinating, you know, because yes. the way that at least like in where I grew up, like the way that men would talk about women, oh, you're so emotional and you guys always fight. No, no, no. And I'm like, that's because we feel our emotions, bitch. You know, like if when you don't feel and you numb your emotions constantly, well, your feelings don't get hurt because you don't have any. So right. in, in that sense, like well, until you're, you're 30 and then you're, you know, calling up a healer, trying to figure out why you're feeling all these things you've never felt before, but no judgment, do yeah. the work. It's great. <laughs> um, but I, I just thought like, um, the reason I asked that question was because, um, I very personally see that even within our communities, within women and men, um, the division there as well about like how women are doing the work and men aren't doing the work. And I'm guilty of that too. I've, I'm sure on some podcasts I've been like, guys, bleh. um, but we are talking about the women today. I just think that they're integrated. The way that we compete with each other is as a result of a patriarchal system and cultural system that we've been implemented into or born into, and thus then are interacting with what table we got. And we're trying to figure out how do we get to all sit there together? Mm, yes. Regardless. Yep, of you're so right. And you're right. Like we, we, we carry both masculine and feminine energy and therefore we are susceptible to the wounding that comes with both. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what else would you like 
for, for women who are dealing with this, because I know that there are some women that I met even recently, um, my, my beautiful, lovely roommate that I met while, um, she was, uh, that I met while I was in Bali. Um, she had expressed to me how, um, you know, she'd really never really had a lot of female friendships before. And then we had built this very large, um, what we call the girl gang and, um, a group of women were all kind of like hanging out and doing stuff together. Um, but I used to also be one of those girls. I had a lot of guy friends, con you know, tons and tons of guy friends, but not a lot of girlfriends. And for women who are feeling that or who are in that, that space, or even women who have a lot of girlfriends, but feel like none of them are close. Um, what would you, what like tools or tips would you give, obviously besides the whole episode, um, to them <clears throat> for being able to open themselves up and feel that vulnerability around the other women because of the sisterhood that perhaps that they see other women have that they might want, or perhaps feel scared of being judged in a situation like that or not being able to feel like themselves. What advice would you give them in order to foster um, a deep and powerful and magical sisterhood within themselves or within their experience? Yes. Okay. Um, it's interesting you ask this question because I personally find myself in like a moment in my life where I'm recalibrating to this exact same question. Mm -hmm. So it's a question I ask myself a lot and I'm not going to sit here and like profess to have the answer to like how to magically have a great group of like amazing like-minded women who are like totally supportive, you know, whatever. But um, I think this is kind of where like a little bit more of like my, if I have been woo-woo enough already, where I'll kind of go all the way off the Taking the term woo-woo back, like woo-woo is good thing now. <laughs> woo, woo is like woo, you know, like we're like, okay, like go as woo as you want to on this yes. show. Um, I think as I know the first thing is like knowing how you want to feel in these, in this sisterhood and these relationships. Um, how do you want to show up? How do you want those around you to show up? What does it look like and feel like for you to have these types of relationships? And I mean, like getting clear on of this on like a cellular level mm -hmm. is step number one. Um, I think this is where a lot of people get hung up. And, and I've just been on this, this thing lately where it's like, you have to say no to anything that isn't that. Mm -hmm. And that might be, that might mean feeling lonely. That might mean having FOMO. It might mean, um, you know, it might mean feeling like a social outcast because you're not going to the club and drinking with, you know, some random coworkers just for the sake of saying that you went to go out and do something yeah. with some girls or whatever. And that's the really uncomfortable part. I think that's where we get really sticky is like, I'd rather be in this community or this type of group than in none at all. And sometimes you need to be at none and in none at all so that you can recalibrate your vibration to call in what is actually supportive for you. Um, and then lastly is like, it's always like intention and aligned intention and then like action, right? So when, once you've gotten clear about what you want, once you've maybe taken a step back from the friendships or relationships that aren't serving you anymore and are no longer that, then it's like time to take some aligned action and put yourself in situations where you think these people might be. So are you like a total book nerd and you want to go to book club? Are you, um, you know, into spiritual stuff and you need to like find a meetup or a local community of people that are in this awakening or spiritual ascension process? Um, are you like really into flag football and you need to, you feel Figure like never your mom always told you that football was you know for boys or whatever but you've always had this desire to like 
play football and now you need to go find a league of this is very random find a league of you know women who play flag football so like finding out who you are finding out what you want in community and then taking the action to put yourself um in those those intentional places I think is really important I think another one might be um making sure that you're speaking your truth and yeah that's such an important one but um I feel like the more direct I was the more that I spoke up for myself, the more authentic I was, I started to gravitate, not towards, like women started to like a, like a fly to a, what is that? Like a moth to a flame. Um, they would start to show up and say, me too. Oh, I feel that way also or whatever. And we were able to bond on that. And if we weren't bonding over the mask, then we weren't in those toxic circles, if, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So when we bond over the mask, like what we can buy, or the type of husbands we have, or, um, you know, like things that girls bond over, I don't know. Um, <laughs> like if we're bonding over the mask of what we feel like we should be doing or the person we think we should be, and then thus um, linking arms with those who are aspirational to us but are not who we are, then we find ourselves kind of always um, chasing an ideal of who we need to be or chasing a relationship we think we need to have or chasing um, a perspective that might not be our own. And then we always don't feel like we're enough. And that's where the, I think the tension breeds and the uncomfortableness in a girl group feels like we don't fit in. Um, we, we're not like this. Maybe they're talking about me. Maybe they're judging me, you know, like that, that ideal. Um, when I was in sixth grade, I moved to another school and, um, I was the only like, I don't know, one out of like seven black kids or something in most of my classes. Um, probably less, probably the only black kid. But anyway, um, there was this group of girls all like, they would all wear Calvin Klein and they would all have all, and I'm like, how are these like, we're sixth graders. Why is everybody got on brand designer, you know, whatever in the middle of Raytown, Missouri. Okay. Like, it's like not a place. Um, but that was very important in the nineties, you know, the Hillfigure shirts or whatever. Um, anyway, so I was watching this play out and these group of girls getting together, all identifying by the clothes that they wore and um, the blonde hair that they had. And, you know, they all did a certain sport together, whatever that looked like. And I remember wanting so badly to be in that group of friends, you know, because I'd had a strong group of friends in my other school. And like, when I moved to the new school, it was the first time I got to see like an identified group there. And it was important for me to be a part of that group. Um, And I remember that I was, I would go and meet where they meet every, and oh, hi, and try to introduce myself because I am a quite charismatic person, if you haven't figured it out by now, (laughs) Um, congeniality. So like um, going up and introducing myself and talking to them or whatever, and they were um, behind my back calling me a wannabe. Oh, Leah's a wannabe and blah, blah, blah. So I found out from another group of friends that I had because being the loner that I am, um, and they were like, do you know that they call you this? And they say this about you and they say this about your hair and they blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and I was like, ah, oh, you know, just like crushed because I was thinking like, I thought these girls were my friends, but I was trying to identify an aspirational aspect of the mask that they wore and in their own insecurities, them saying that, oh, you don't fit our mask. So you don't belong. And this gives us superiority so we can feel better about ourselves and our own insecurities. And I didn't figure that out obviously until um, later, but when I joined a sorority, I, d- I did the same thing, um, but, but it was different because we were older and it wasn't so stupid. Um, but there was this, this like me doing the same thing. Like I'm, you know, Mrs. Mayor. Hey, my name is, da, 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 da. and they were like, we love her. She's like, she's so like, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
anyway, so I got into that sorority, but then recognized the masks once I was within it. This aspirational aspect to if we're trying to get somewhere or be someone in the feminine, like that's typically when we get in groups like that, that's typically where we start to feel our own insecurities of we're trying to, I don't even say trying to be like someone, but you get what I'm saying, right? Like you can understand the concept of like when we live in a society that prides itself off of, um, especially for women telling us that we're not enough when we join groups that continue that um, paradigm and template so we can try to feel like we're enough. We will always be in competition with each other because we're still competing for something we don't feel that we have. So it, it's, it doesn't foster good community. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that is so, that was, that was channeled. That was yeah, so good. It was. <laughs> yeah, you just, <laughs> where did that come from? Yeah, Sorry. that was amazing. So I'm just going to give the listener and ourselves just a second to just really like take in what you just shared, because that was really beautiful and very insightful. So thank you. Yeah, I'm, I don't really have many words. You're exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> I think you're exactly right. It's I mean, but it's 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 elemental to the way that our society is kind of structured. Um, but the beautiful part is, is what you said earlier is that like society is moving at such a fast pace right now and the, what's coming up and coming in for women, um, today is this kind of start of this presence of us starting to unify ourselves and learn that when we get together, shit happens like in authentic circles and stuff, me and you talking right now, like the vibrations that we're bringing into the earth and starting to kind of look at something that's really hard to talk about. I think like women, um, you know, not being on one accord with each other and us being super judgmental of each other is something that I think is hard to come in realization of, you know, like it's hard to okay. like drum up, like just think about the last time you scroll through Instagram and how many women you'd been bitched out in your head, like on the way there, like maybe you're not even conscious of it. It's so normalized. Like I even recognized it yesterday. I was like, damn, yeah. Like, why am I dragging this girl? Actually, I have a chapter in my book that talks about that. And I can't even, I think I call it um, toxic felt phenolenity. See, I can't remember my own chapter. Um, <laughs> but there's, um, uh, in the idea of the, that cattiness, that aspect of competition, um, watching a, a show, like the whole reason why the fucking Oscars or award shows are based on the women, what they're wearing, who wore it best and you know, whatever, right. like why are we asking them who they were? All the guys or the bachelor boxes. or the bachelor. Like, <laughs> it's just, I mean, it, we, we set up these paradigms, these pop culture paradigms, for that reason in order to compete with each other and yeah. then in our own environment that is something that we experience so often it makes it difficult for us to see the magic in the way that we can be witches <laughs> you know what i mean like witches used to be a bad term but it's like we can get together and cultivate and create magic with when we're with each other um yeah. i want to ask you about like you said mentioned something about owning your own shit and slash shift, which I think in relation to this, how can we be doing that? Yeah, I think that's what we, um, that like what we were talking about is just understanding this in the context of like being somewhere along your spiritual growth and awakening journey. Mm -hmm. And this is like one of the areas to contend with. And um, what am I like, I guess what I'll say is that idea of the things that used to feel good for you or feel okay for you 
probably won't anymore. And so I think this topic of that, that wounding in those female relationships is really embedded in that, that idea that you might, these relationships might've been okay for the past 10 or 15 years, or this wounding you might have just been comfortable with for a long, long time. And now your awareness to it or of it, I should say, is enough for it to no longer be okay mm-hmm. for you. Um, and so again, I'll say like, it's the, the opportunity, the invitation to, to call awareness, to review, to um, take inventory of like, how are these relationships serving you or not serving you? The willingness to step away from those that are not serving you with compassion, with love and with grace. And also to be okay in like that, that darkness, that solitude as, you know, you're being called to different types of relationships. Mm-hmm. Does that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So I, lo- I love that you brought this up and I love that we've been able to talk about this because I'd never even heard of it until you had mentioned it. And I was like, yes, this is so common and everything. Like if we can, if we as women can really like, I mean, yes, female movement and empowerment and like all that kind of stuff. But within that rise of feminine energy, as the pendulum starts to swing back into the feminine, um, we still have this highly polarized competition with each other. And until we can truly look at that part of it, we can't really truly unify and, and, and really amass the power that we're, we're trying to embody. Um, I, I think that's beautiful. So before we go, like, can you just give us a little bit of background on yourself? Like, how did you come to this, this term? You're an intuitive as well. You read cards and like coach people and stuff like that. Like, um, if we can just take a little tiny segue into like, how woo woo are you, you know? (laughs) Very fucking woo woo is the answer to that question. I, (laughs) I tone it down a lot, but I'm all the way out there. Um, Yeah, so I grew up in Southern California, so I'm from like the San Diego area uh, of California. It's really funny when you said um, that, you know, you look different and felt different than all of these people that were around you, because even in being, well, being in Southern California, I felt a lot of that. Like, I was just like, I don't, like, all these people want to do is like surf and be blonde and like, and I just, I just didn't identify with it, Um, but I was super fortunate. And now I've, I've kind of done some, some research, but into my own lineage and my own heritage, but, um, I've always been very, very intuitive. So I can remember from a young age, like I knew when my grandfather had had like a heart attack and like, I don't even know how I knew. I just was like, this is happening. And my grandma's like, no, he's fine. I'm like, no, you need to call 911 now and come to find out like if she hadn't, he would have passed away right then and there um I led my I led family like at four years old like 40 miles away from a place I had never been before back home like there's no way I would have known how to do some of this crazy stuff Mm -hmm. so there's always had a really intuitive nature and then the fact that your family listened to you at four right (laughs) that's amazing yeah I yeah I was quite the little adult child apparently but yeah my mom was um always like really it's so funny I'm just gonna say this but like she would let us like make potions so that was like our fun thing to do is like she would like me like make witches brew and be totally into it and her favorite holiday was like Halloween meanwhile my father was (laughs) I love it it's great 
And my father, um, you know, was very much rooted in traditional Christianity. So I was like getting these conflicting messages of like, you can't do that because that's the devil's work. And I was like, but making potion is fun. Anyway, so there's kind of always been that like that groundwork of um, dichotomy, but also like embracing that there's something here for me. So went on about my life, did what I was supposed to do, went to college, got a job in a bank. Like, oh, this is kind of interesting. And I really found that I was really enjoying um, the like relationship aspect. And I was like coaching people that were like 30 years older than me on finances and just like having these super profound life conversations. And I was like, this is weird. I don't think that this information is really coming from me. And like, why are these people listening to me? It doesn't make sense, but okay. Uh, so that was interesting. And then I transitioned into, long story short, I ended up in Atlanta and transitioned to working in a high school. And so I was working at a um, Title I high school here in, in Atlanta and had a lot, of, a lot of work with students like in their, in their prime of this, the thick of this teenage stuff mm-hmm. and was doing a lot of coaching work with them. It was, I wasn't a counselor. I worked on like the operation side of a high school, but I had a group of girls that I was responsible for as like their mentor through all of their years of high school. And, um, yeah, I, I was kind of like coaching them and yeah. a little bit of it was like energy work and a little bit of it was coaching. And I was like learning all this stuff and I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. And then ultimately through a, a series of crazy experiences, the whisper of like, you need to do this work. This is the way that you're meant to show up in the world. Curiosities became louder and louder. And ultimately it just became like a roar that I couldn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't deny anymore. And I stepped fully into my coaching practice and it's like the love of my life and I I do read so I do cards sometimes but recently you I've been really the same cards I use yes <laughs> which one deck. I love that deck I love that deck too it's a new one for me great yeah. deck but um I read cards but ultimately I've been really doing a lot of work lately and I have a more a, a beautiful woman who has taken me under her wing and who has like we were meant to come back together in this life so she could like remind me of all of these gifts and all of these hidden caverns of magic that I had forgotten. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so now I I'm doing like readings, but I'm really mostly just doing it like through my own intuitive gifts. And Mm -hmm. so I stopped kind of relying on some of those other tools and I was like, it's just me and my guides and your energy. And when I tell you, Aaliyah, it has been, a game changer. I have never felt so liberated in my work. Clients have never had more fulfilling or more accurate experiences. Mm -hmm. And um, and yeah, so that's where I am. And I'm also a breathwork practitioner. So once we bring the stuff up in a reading, I often support clients with the sessions shortly thereafter, where we, you know, breathe to move some of that stuff that came up. It's really powerful. Yes. It's so great. I love it. It gets to the places that words can't reach, which yeah. is why I love it. Yeah, that's amazing. So that's um, a little bit. Well, how do people find you? Sure. So you can find me. I, I'm social media, and I have a love hate relationship, but <laughs> I'm I'm really trying to lean into the fact that it helps me connect with wonderful people and do my work in a big way. So you can find me on Instagram at Angelica Ray. That's A-N-G-E-L-I-C-A-R-A-Y. 
or you can find me online at angelicaray.com. And so you can book a session. You can, I do a weekly card readings and like energy updates on Instagram. So you can find me there. Um, I do a, a weekly channeled message that I send out um, every week to your inbox if that's something that you're interested in. So yeah, connect with me on social. Instagram is my favorite of all the platforms yeah. or check out my website. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. And Angelica actually reached out to me about um, a topic to come to this show about. And I was so grateful because it is not something that we've really gotten to cover. And I do deeply feel like it's funny. Some of the, the topics that we bring to the show are not, well, it, traditionally as how people would see them spiritual in nature, but incredibly spiritual because we are spiritual beings. So like basically any topic could be spiritual. Um, but in this aspect, for sure, I do deeply believe that as we become more authentic with each other and we start to heal more of that sister wound, what's going to happen is what's happening now. We'll be able to have these conversations with each other and we'll be able to open up new aspects of healing that will transform and transmute some of the old paradigms that we were um, that we were used to that will allow us to progress in, in abundant ways and creating magic in our world that that we have not seen before or maybe before 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 you know like before all the craziness took over um, that we were able to really ascend in this time and create create a better world for not just women but for everyone I'm excited yes. 2020 y'all so yes it's <laughs> happening here it is well, and thank you, you found guys a great for, community for it. Yes. Um, well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Spiritual Shit. If you would like to support this show, um, click the link below how to support this show. Um, and I will send, I'll have all of Angelica's links in the description. So thank you guys for listening and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. interested in becoming a client for energy coaching, find me at www.thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do or hit me up on IG at thelovelyalia for daily content and inspiration.